Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Go in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. I welcome you, those who are here, those who are online. Wish you a Merry Christmas. This is the reason we gather. It's Jesus. The reason that we give and we love and receive gifts is because the greatest gift. We're just expressing that love. It's overflowing. It's impossible to improve on the Christmas story. And I know if you're watching social media and so forth, there's a lot of uh, churches now that are having to one-up, you know, like, like, let's make this year our church better than the church down the road, so they'll come to our church and not that church. Or some people might do like they do vacation Bible schools. They just start going to all the churches, you know, they just can't have enough of the Christmas season and music and all of the specials. But at the, at the base of it, loved ones, the Christmas story, you cannot improve upon this story. And sometimes this story can get lost in all of the noise and production, and we miss the simplicity of how God became a man. God became a man. You can't say, now what can we do? Let's get, in the, let's get in the brainstorm room this week and let's really think about what we can do to catch people's attention next year. God became a man. He sunk himself into our flesh. And so as we suffer, he suffered. As we enjoy the blessings of life, he enjoyed blessings of life. Whenever we pray and we go to him, there's never a point when he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me see if I can get a translator here. Because of Emmanuel, God with us, this promise fulfilled. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is the word of the Lord, loved ones. This is the word, and this is the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. 
John Piper made this assessment of the Christmas story in his Advent devotional. He said this, he said, you can read every fairy tale that was ever written, every mystery thriller, every ghost story, and you'll never find anything so shocking, so strange, so weird, and spellbinding as the story of the incarnation of the Son of God. All other stories of redemption are borrowed from this one. Do you understand that? Artists, they're borrowing, they're telling a story and it's all borrowed. What makes a good story? Redemption. The no-hoper wins, is rescued. There was no way for that individual to make it and someone made a way. And that's a story to rejoice in, especially when it's not out of obligation. And the end of the movie, because he had to, it was his job. Oh, wow, moving. It was because of love. Now that's a story that people will cheer for and say, that was amazing, because he didn't have to do it. She didn't have to do it. And they chose to do it, and it was sacrifice that at their own life. This is amazing. This is the greatest story of redemption. So here we are in the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament, written by Matthew, the redeemed tax collector, the Jewish man that was hated by Jews, despised by Romans. He was the go-between. Nobody liked him, but he made plenty of money. He was rich. He had friends that were just like him. And he opens up his whole account, and he's writing to a Hebrew audience, and he begins, the lead-off hitter is the line of Christ and the incarnation. This story that if you're trying to get people to come with you and say, now let's talk and, and let's have some wisdom and let's have some interaction and let me see what we agree on. Well, God became a man. Oh, that's it. I'm out. And that's where he begins. Where the critic says, I can't go with you any further. But Matthew is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but this is true. This is true. So I'm going to lead off with the most unthinkable reality that God became a man. So what, ex what made this advent, the first coming of Christ, so remarkable, so magnificent? And we're going to see this morning briefly five wonders in the incarnation. Five wonders in the incarnation that lead us to wonder. And that's what it means to worship. To worship is not simply going through the motions of, okay, so I made some money, here's some money online, give it to the church, give it to the Lord. Okay, here's uh, my singing, here's my giving, my serving, here's my listening, here's my preaching, here's my serving and shoveling, whatever it is that we do, fine, you can have it. It's very different than, your love was great. My sin was great. Your love was greater. And it's wonder. Why did he do this? How did he do this? This blows us away, and that's wonder, and it leads to worship. It doesn't leave us impressed with self. It delivers us from self. It takes us from the small kingdom of me, and it brings us into the everlasting, never-ending, glorious kingdom of King Jesus. And he paid the way. He made the way for sinners. So we see, first of all, the first wonder is this, the unseen miracle. This is the unseen miracle in the story as the drama begins to unfold that we watched it last night. I love, I love that movie, uh, The Nativity Story. And how they give the background and they give some of that of, 
are you kidding me? You know, Mary comes back from visiting and she comes back and up comes the little child and her stomach is way bigger than it should be for a girl who's engaged to be married. And the whole community, her dad, uh, Joseph engaged to be married, all the children, all the friends, and instantly you catch in that scene, everything's changed for this girl. There's nobody saying, oh, I bet the Holy Spirit did this. They're all saying, oh, we need to put a red X on her chest. This one here. What's Joseph going to do? She's not been faithful to Joseph. Joseph is crushed. Her family's crushed. But this is a miracle. This is here in Matthew's account. This is the lead-off story of the New Testament. We see the preparation. And he talks about it. Joseph and Mary, they were in that period of engagement. Betrothed, this arrangement between the two families. This is when Joseph can be preparing. I'm going to have a wife, and, and I need to have a place for her to live. And what about it when kids come? And I've got to have a place for children. And, and then there's also, this is for the, for the bride-to-be that the families are saying, our daughter's not been with any other man. So there's, there's purity here. So that you will know, and your son, that we have reserved our daughter for you. And, and these families are coming together in this community. It was time allowed for this, but there's a problem. Something interrupts this period of waiting, and that is, here we are. She's probably three months pregnant, according to Luke. And this came about by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. There's a problem. This means everybody's rip reputation is ruined in this story. Joseph and Mary, their reputations were in the gutter. They were tanked. All their faithfulness. Mary would be subject to the death penalty for being unfaithful to Joseph and the families. This is a serious breach of their covenant. The families' reputations would be wrecked. They're all devastated. It felt like the ultimate betrayal for Joseph. Are you kidding me? I've saved myself. You know, I've been working. I have this house. Now, does he really want to go back to the house he's been preparing? Blood, sweat, and tears. All of his investment in love, and suddenly he's looking at his betrothed bride-to-be, and she is with child, and he knows it's not mine. Can you imagine for a moment what he felt when he saw her get off that whatever walk donkey wagon that she came back from the relative's house with crushed absolutely crushed everything that he believed thought hoped for in mary was what he was looking at i don't even know you he's destroyed but he was not going to shame her he was not going to embarrass her publicly he loved her but he wasn't going to marry her. He wasn't going to go with her in this. Not, not initially. He had to think through this. But he was going to do the honorable thing, and that is, out of love, he was going to put her away privately, just quietly. Go through the legal process. Our families will go their separate way. I will not hold you liable for being pregnant with somebody else's child. We'll simply part ways, and that'll be the end of it. And she can live with you the rest of her life, but not with me. That's where it was going. It was an unseen miracle. 
But then we see an angelic messenger come into this view. This is Gabriel. Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, he comes with a word for Joseph. So Joseph is in this time. He doesn't act hastily. Think about this, guys. He's patient. He loves Mary. Perhaps he listened to what she said. No, it's not me, the Holy Spirit, the angel. And he's like, okay, this is a new one. Haven't heard this one before. I know a prophecy that goes something like this, but you? How would this be? So he's considering this, but he's prayerful in this. He's taking these steps of faith. He doesn't act abruptly. He doesn't go off in a fit of rage or anger. He's simply prayerfully considering, what do I do? How do I do this rightly? And then comes the divine revelation. Then comes the word of the living God. And that's what Joseph was waiting on. And here comes the messenger of the Lord. And what does Joseph learn is that God is omniscient. He knows exactly what Joseph is going through at this moment. And he knows exactly what you are going through in this very moment today. He's omniscient. And the word comes, Joseph, son of David. Do you see what happened? We go from Abraham all the way down to David, and David all the way down to Joseph right here. Joseph, son of the one given the Davidic covenant, the promise that you've been waiting on. You're in that line, boy. Oh, I know who your dad is, but I'm talking about a greater father, and it's David, and he died, and we needed somebody better than him. Joseph, you're a son of David. God is omniscient. God is just. There's no shame, Joseph. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be afraid. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, if God is pleased with you and with Mary, then it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. And this is exactly what Joseph needs. He needs the okay from the Lord that it's okay. I love her. I want to be with her. I don't understand what happened, but my love hasn't changed for her. I'm confused right now. You ever been there? I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how I should respond. I love the Lord. I love my family. I love these, these individuals in my life. I'm not sure how do I rightly relate to them and respond to them. And then he learns of the power of God, that God is powerful. For that which is conceived in her, Joseph, is from, she didn't lie to you. It is from the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are powerful. You see how this leads to worship? Lord, you know everything. Lord, you're just, you're good in every situation. Do you think that Joseph was responding with, you know, that day when he sees Mary come back? Like, let's all worship the Lord. He's just, he is right in all of our ways. It just reminds me of a psalm, everyone. No, he was like you and me. What is going on here? God, where are you at? I've been doing all this and I, all these things and, and, and what? But then he learns through the word of the Lord, oh, the Lord is powerful. And Joseph, the Lord is trustworthy. She will bear a son, Joseph. She will bear a son. He learns, it's okay for me to trust the Lord. I will put my faith and trust and it will remain in the Lord because God is good. He is working all things together for good. Even when we struggle to believe or struggle to understand, it's always best for us to trust and put that next together, obey the Lord, trust 
and obey. And then he's given a command. Joseph, you are going to call his name Jesus. That's what you're going to do. Trust me and obey me, Joseph. I'm good. The Lord is good. And then he learns that God is mighty to save because that name Jesus, a familiar name to Hebrews, to Jews, all the way back, Joshua, Deliverer, Yeshua, that God is mighty to save. He cares about the souls of men and he came to accomplish our salvation. And Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus. Here's why, son of David. David couldn't save anybody from their sins. David needed a savior. David's son needed a savior. And you're a son of David, Joseph, and you need a savior. And that's exactly what Jesus, this child in Mary's womb, is going to do. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen? Then we see, thirdly, the ancient message. So now... Yeah, Joseph's awake. I I would kind of think he's a little bit like Boaz, just waiting for the next day to go do business because Ruth wants to be his wife. But hang on, there's a closer kinsman and I can't take you to be my wife yet. So head on home over to Naomi's house. I'll be right on it. And he's waiting in the gate at opening time, right? And here's Joseph And he's been whatever happening. And in this dream, he receives all that he needs from the Lord, the divine word of God. Loved ones, we're not waiting on an angel to show up tonight to tell us, you know, take this job or that job. Go over here, buy, sell, all these things. No, we take the word of God and we have the principles and we apply that to our lives. But God is trustworthy for us. We have his word. And this is where this ancient message from Isaiah, 700 years before in Isaiah 7.14 about the birth of Jesus. Now, Isaiah prophesied about the birth of a of a young woman, a a young woman. And that was fulfilled in his day. Isaiah 7, 14, there's a near and there's a far fulfillment here in prophecy. Therefore, Isaiah says on behalf of the Lord, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, and that word, and some people try to press that Jesus is not deity, uh, that, that Mary wasn't a virgin because in the Hebrew, that just means young woman but they're missing the whole point. Okay, there's a reason why Matthew picks up on it and says this account of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary is, a, is the far fulfillment of what Isaiah had in his day, a near fulfillment, and here's the far fulfillment. In that day, it was a young woman. Here we see it's a virgin. It's Mary. Matthew sees this. The Old and the New Testament are all telling one story, God breathing out his word. John's gospel focuses heavily upon the word becoming flesh and dwelling with men. This is the incarnation. Martin Luther, I say it a a lot. He said it this way, God sunk himself into our flesh. Think about that. He sunk himself into our flesh. He didn't cease to be God. He added to his deity humanity. And Revelation says he still bears the marks of crucifixion in his body. He will never forsake the humanity that he bears. He's the God-man, 100% God, 
100% man. You say, well, Pastor Wise, explain that to me so I can understand. I can't. It's faith. It's the same thing Joseph. Oh, hang on a second, Gabriel. Now explain exactly how did this happen of the Holy Spirit with Mary? <laughs> Your mind can't handle it, Joseph. And to just pick back up on between Mary and Zacharias, when Zacharias, the guy who should have been noting all the information, the priest in the line, he should have had all the faith and the trust. And he's told, hey, Zacharias, your wife is going to bear a son. And he's like, we're too old. How is this going to happen? Doubt, skepticism. Oh, it will happen, but you're not going to talk until it does. Zip. And he doesn't until he writes on that pad, John, his name is. And then he says it, and everybody's like, he, his mouth is opened. Yeah, seeing is believing. And he doubted. Mary, she's very different when the angel comes to her. She's like, ooh, how's this going to happen? Listen to me, young people. Don't ever buy the lie that, well, I'm going to wait until I get education. I'm going to wait until I grow up, and then the Lord can use me. Huh, no. Read your Bible. Surrender these years you know, now to the Lord and trust him because often children will say, well, that's what the Lord says and we're just supposed to obey and here we are as adults. Well, I don't know. I don't think we can, I don't think that's in the budget. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure if that'll work. And kids are like, doesn't it say that in the Bible? Well, yes, it does. Well, then aren't we supposed to do that? Oh yeah, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, he's ordained praise. God keeps his promises always, Amen. And then we see number four, the unique marriage. The unique marriage here between Joseph and Mary. So they entered into this covenant of marriage. They submitted to the Lord and serving one another. It's a beautiful display here. It's a beautiful picture that we see in this marriage. That both Joseph and Mary were obedient. Okay, Mary was obedient. She was submitted to the Lord. Joseph was obedient. When the baby was born, oh, what are we going to name him? Jesus. It's already done. Just name him Jesus. Has he been given to him already? He and Mary, they were united in marriage. They made their journey to Bethlehem. And as that unfolds, we see that not only were they both obedient, but they were both selfless. Joseph was so different from Abraham, from Judah, from David, and basically every other guy that you read of in the Old Testament. Adam. Where are you, Adam? Why are you wearing clothes, the Lord said in the garden. Oh, it was the wife that you gave me. What does Eve say? It was the serpent. Blame. That's where it all started. Every, almost every man that you read of failed. And here we see Joseph, and he's selfless. He's different. He wasn't sinless. But they did not consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born. It says, he took his wife, but knew her not. Okay, that's a word for the sexual union of a marriage, the consummation of a marriage. But he knew her not, and this is significant, until, until she had given birth to a son. So he didn't put himself before the plan of God. He waited, he served, he was selfless, and then the child was born, the Christ child was born, and then their marriage became normal. They weren't withheld from the blessing of God. That, that Hebrew says that in marriage, the bed is undefiled. 
between a husband and a wife, sexuality, their, their sexual relationship, that wasn't withheld from them, forbidden from them. But he waited. He waited because he was a servant and he was selfless. In Luke 8, verse 19, eventually they had other children. Verse 19, then his mother and his brothers, this is of Jesus, came to him. But they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told them, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That would have been, if there was ever a moment from Christ that we should revere and move Mary, his mother, to a pedestal above what is given in Scripture, that would have been the moment, and Jesus doesn't do it. I mean, think back. As a young man, some of us even know, your mother calls, hey, do this, go there. Do you really say, hey, <laughs> tell my mom, mom, online, just Wait. There's other people that are right in here with me. Unless your mom understands who you are and what your mission in life is. And they were coming to get him because they thought he lost his mind. That's his mom and his brothers. He's, he's lost his mind. Go get him. Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. Now let me tell you who my mother and brothers are. Do you hear the word of God and do it? That's who's in my family. Is that you today? Do you hear the word of the Lord? Do you love the word of the Lord? And do you obey the word of the Lord? Joseph and Mary were also sinners. They needed a savior. They weren't without sin. And that brings us to the fifth quality here, the wonder that leads us to worship, and that is the Savior Messiah. It's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He's Jesus. This is the one they were waiting on. Messiah, it's the anointed one. It's the one they'd been waiting for for all of those years. It goes all the way back to the garden. The woman's seed will crush your head. They've been waiting. We as hum humanity, we were waiting on this, and he came the first time, the Savior Messiah. And Joseph had that honor of bestowing upon him the name Jesus. Although Jesus was not his physical son, he adopted him. He loved him as if he was his own son. And the people in the community, oh, we know who your parents are. That's what they said of Jesus later. We know how you showed up. Holy Spirit, yeah, right. But Joseph didn't care. And Mary didn't care. Because they were right with God. And they had the word from God. And so they could face all of the crowds. They could face all of the resistance. Not bad an eye not hang their heads. Listen to what Irenaeus said. 180 AD. A little over 100 years after Jesus was on the earth. Listen to how he describes the incarnation. He says, he took up man into himself. That's almost, I think Luther might have taken it from there, right there. <laughs> Thereby... The invisible became visible. The incomprehensible was made comprehensible. The impassable 
became capable of suffering, impassable, not able to suffer, became capable of suffering. So the word was man and thereby summed up all things in himself. Wow. The name Jesus, it captures the mission of God coming into this world in human flesh that he was born to die. He was born to die. Paul sums it up this way. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Will you read those three words with me at the beginning? For our sake. You realize we can make that even more personal? It's for my sake. It's for your sake. It's for our sake. He, God the Father, made him, Christ the Son, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He became flesh. He knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. So let me ask you, what do you believe about the miracle of the incarnation? When you look at these five, the unseen miracle, the messenger, the message, the, the marriage, the Messiah, when you look at this, does it lead you to wonder? Does it lead you to worship? This isn't just another story. This is the record. This is the account of how God became a man to live the life that we could never live and to die the death that we deserve to die to be buried in a borrowed tomb and be resurrected the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave and all of Satan's forces. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is right now. And he is interceding on the behalf of all of his children who have repented of their sin and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you? How have you responded to this message? He is the king. But the question is, is he your king? Have you personally confessed him as king of your life? Or, like we said last night, are you still king me? Small kingdom. Ticking, ticking away. His kingdom is without end. And so we worship him. How can we help you take your next step of wonder and worship today? That's what we're here for. Let's stand together. We have come to worship, and we have come to invite everyone, worship this king. Father, we love you, and it's because you loved us first. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus, our Savior, that he humbled himself to the grave so that we could rise to never be defeated by our greatest enemy. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can celebrate with loved ones. Thank you for your church. Oh, I thank you and I praise you. By your spirit, Lord, the same Holy Spirit that gave life into Mary's womb, you give spiritual re regenerated life into the hearts of sinners. And I would ask that you do that again today. You are so faithful to save. You are mighty to save. And we worship you in Jesus' powerful name we pray. 
Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.